TRP is a theologically progressive Baptist church in Salisbury, Maryland. This is our podcast. What's up, podcast listeners? Episode three of the Restoration Project podcast. Welcome. We should have a catchier title for what this is, but... You got to start the thing before you brand the thing. Yeah, sometimes we get stuck in the branding Mm -hmm. before the thing actually exists. You kind of have to figure out what the thing is before you brand it. Exactly. Do you know what might help some of the listeners Hmm. figure out what this is? What? If I introduced myself. I think that would be helpful. Because we're now, you know, on our third episode and I failed to do that. I am Josh James. I'm one of the pastors of the Restoration Project which, if you want to get fancy, is a <clears throat> a theologically progressive church affiliated with the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship located in Salisbury, Maryland. That's an awful. We're going on nine years. It'll be nine years in That's crazy. January. There's been a lot of... Oh, a lot of history. Nine years of it. Yeah. Yep. Church planting. That's a... We be planting. It's a thing. Okay, we have been looking at the Gospel of Mark, and we ju- we jumped in at a weird moment. We jumped in towards the back end of chapter 8, and there's a lot of stuff that has come before that, that we didn't talk about. Remember, I kind of got to a place where I, I didn't want to do sermon series anymore, and I needed the lectionary to sort of help me fend off some of that decision-making fatigue that COVID and the last 18 months has brought on in the lives of many. So we've reverted to teaching from the lectionary. We are in ordinary time. We are. We are absolutely in ordinary time. I've been watching Midnight Mass. I keep hearing about this show. I have not watched it yet. Well, in the first couple episodes, it's about a Catholic priest on this small island. I'm guessing somewhere in the New England area. They don't really develop that. Mm-hmm. But in, in the first episode, the priest gets in trouble for wearing the wrong vestments because they're in ordinary time. It should and be he's, green. Right, and he's wearing the gold for feast days. Gosh, I'm surprised you knew that. Well, when I was making the graphic, I was looking at what symbols they have for ordinary time. One is green because it's ah, yes. growth and hope. And then the other is they use the the fishes and loaves hmm. as symbols of the miracles of Jesus. Interesting. That you talk about. The image that Tessa is referring to is the uh, what you see um, on whatever device you might be listening to, that little SoundCloud graphic that we created, TRP in Ordinary Time. That's what we've been doing over the last... I don't know, five, six weeks or so, and mm-hmm. we've been hanging out in the Gospel of Mark, which is my favorite gospel. I like it a lot, as they would say. Who? What? Lloyd Christmas, Dumb and Dumber. This is where um, I'm old and Tessa's young. No, so. I've seen Dumb and Dumber. It's just been a really long time. Okay, well, whatever. We are in Mark chapter 10 this week, and this actually concludes a sort of large-ish section in the book extending from Mark chapter 8, verse 22 through the passage that we'll be reading today. Um, 
And hopefully what will be clear is the author is attempting to tell a mini story within the larger story specifically focused on discipleship. And the way that he goes about this is, is pretty interesting as he's contrasting a couple of different characters, specifically with, with the disciples, I think, and their penchant for not understanding what in the world Jesus is talking about most of the time. They don't know. They don't know. All right, so I think we've landed on, I'm going to read the entire passage, and then we'll go back and we'll we'll talk about some of the details. So this is Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 46. This week I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Uh, it says, They came to Jericho. As he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho. See, I love that. We'll, we'll come back to this, but they came to Jericho, nothing. Mm -hmm. And then immediately, they're all leaving Jericho. Mm -hmm. Lots of... Uh, mystery mm -hmm. there as to what's happening in Jericho. Anyway, as he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. This is important, so tuck it into the back of your brain. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me! Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he's calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. And Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. Now, the way that we got into this on Sunday is I just kind of asked the orienting question, what strikes you about this passage? I picked out one of the things that actually on Sunday I kind of botched the reading a little bit so they didn't pick up on the fact that they were coming to Jericho and then immediately leaving Jericho. That was striking to me in my first pass on this on this text. Tessa, anything jumping out at you here? Is it implied that they're leaving Jericho immediately? Oh, or, yeah. Really? Oh, keep going. Well, it doesn't say when they came to Jericho. Are we just supposed to assume that they're, they are passing through? I'm saying more in the story world. Yeah. So, no, no, no. I, let me take that back. We're not to think that they come to Jericho, walk through the town, and then keep on rolling. Okay. They stayed there. Okay. Ostensibly. Well, that's what I was... Right. Really, the first sentence just serves to show that some time has passed in Jericho. It's just weird because they arrive and the author doesn't tell us anything about what happens in Jericho. Right. And then in the next line, they're leaving Jericho. So for the author of Mark, there's nothing of importance that happens within their stay in Jericho, however long or however short it may have been, which within the Jewish mindset, this is the stuff that gets the imagination firing, right? There's a gap in the story which leads to people's imaginative re tellings of what may have taken place during Jesus's time in Jericho and route to Jerusalem. 
So actually some of the, oh, how would you say this? Some of the, the gospels that come after the New Testament gospels, like the later books that were written, mm-hmm. have stories that are created and wedged into this moment of things that Jesus did. I'm not sure what they are. I just read in a couple of commentaries that they're adding things to the narrative, which mm. is what Jewish interpreters do. If you look back to, say, the Pseudepigrapha, which, I mean, many of us are known I, to do that. Every Tuesday I look back at the Tuesdays are Pseudepigrapha. typically a Pseudepigrapha day. Mm-hmm. Um, but these stories, like, they take the gaps in the Old Testament and then they embellish on this, the blank spaces, so to speak. Like if a year has passed or, uh, you know, there's a length of time where the biblical author says nothing, they'll make up stuff and put it back into the story. Which is so far from generally what the American church oh gosh, <laughs> says to do. Yes, especially, it, yeah, when you're thinking about how Christians read the Bible, it's very different. We want to know with precision Mm -hmm. what it says there's no room for imaginative retellings Mm -mm. but there's entire books in jewish literature devoted to minor characters one coming to the top of my head is is enoch he shows up in a couple of verses in the early chapters of genesis he's the guy that that doesn't die he just kind of is and then he's taken away um not in a chariot of fire or anything but he he just walks with god and the way he goes not so a bad way to go well uh, yeah you you would think <laughs> um so they make up entire stories about his his life or there's another book called jubilees which is just a a retelling of a lot of the stuff that you would find in Genesis or some of the earlier books of the Old Testament, and then with a lot of stuff added to it. It really Mm -hmm. lets you see how Jewish interpreters were thinking about the Bible in that time. So it's important for us understanding people like Jesus and Paul and New Testament authors because it demonstrates how they are reading the Bible because they were embedded within a context and they're doing the same stuff that some of these folks were doing. It's all what is known as Second Temple Literature. Second temple being the temple after the temple of Solomon was destroyed, one was rebuilt, and that temple stood from uh, 515-ish BC until uh, 70 AD. In that time period, people were doing weird stuff with the Bible. <clears throat> so here you might you might have people wondering, what did happen in Jericho? We don't know. Um, And actually, it's interesting because in the Gospel of Luke, the story that unfolds here about Bartimaeus takes place not on the way out of Jericho, but on the way into Jericho. Oh, interesting. So some people think that Mark shapes his retelling in an intentional way to put Bartimaeus on the backside of Jericho so that when he follows Jesus, he's following Jesus to mm-hmm. Jerusalem, not into Jericho, but to Jerusalem. Because for Mark, that's super important. So again, here we're dealing with potential edits could, of the could tradition. Could that be why his 
his first sentence is just they came to Jericho because he's shaping it. I don't know because he's shaping it to make it so that Bartimaeus is following them on the way out. Maybe, although, um, and here, here we're going to have to deal with some stuff because most people would say, and this is not provable, but most people would say that Mark is the first gospel to be written. So, so Mark wouldn't be adapting Luke necessarily. Mark would be adapting the tradition that Luke then uses to pen his gospel. Does that make sense? Yeah. In fact, some people would say that Matthew and Luke use this source known as Q. Mm-hmm. And whenever Matthew and Luke agree against Mark, they're dependent upon this other source. And this is source theory, right? Source yeah. critic Source theory? Yeah, is that roll what it's called? with it. Yep. J-E-D-P are the other well, sources. No, no, no. No? No, no, no. What am J- I thinking so of? J-E-D-P is Old Testament. Oh, 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 okay. So we're in the same vein of reading a text and attempting to see what the sources are, but J-E-D-P refers to the four sources of the Pentateuch. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. So the Gospels have different sources okay. where they would say Q is a hypothetical source. It's hypothetical because nobody has ever found it. It doesn't exist except in the minds of scholars um, to, to sort of demonstrate how these two sources agree against Mark. So there's actually a lot of discussion, nerdy discussion, as to how much we should be dependent upon this hypothetical source and how much we should maybe be altering our view of which gospel came first. Woo, that's a that's a nerd rabbit hole <laughs> that we just jumped into. Well. And we got there from they came to Jericho, they're leaving Jericho. Right. That's fun. That's that's really fun. Okay. So we're really on track for that. Yes. Fifty five minutes. Yeah. Beforehand I told Tessa we were we were shooting for fifty five minutes today. And we're gonna get there. By goodness, we will get there. Okay, so they're leaving Jericho, and as they are, it says Bartimaeus son of Timaeus, which is a funny way of phrasing this because Bartimaeus itself is a combination of an Aramaic word, bar, meaning son of, and Timaeus, which is a Greek name, meaning something about being valuable or being honored. So it's saying they find Bartimaeus, son of Bartimaeus, or son of Timaeus, son of Timaeus. Which would be a funny way to introduce yourself. Hi, if I'm, that was your... I'm son of Robin, son yes, of Robin. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. Um, but we're, we're getting a named character here, which is really important for us to focus in on. Bartimaeus is the only named recipient of a miracle in the Gospel of Mark. Whenever characters are named, it's important because they're often not named. Right. So what does being named point to? Is it just like a, hey, look at this, pay special attention to this? or I think it's at least worth noting that, yeah, uh, receiving a name is is important. Um, It demonstrates the... I don't want to say the worth of the character, but it's beyond a 
a minor character, mm -hmm. I think. But also, remember, Mark is written around 65 AD or CE, depending on who you talk to. To name a guy, Bartimaeus, within 30 years of the death and resurrection of Jesus might also be a tip of the cap to the reading community to say, you know Bart. Oh, yeah. This is Bart's story. Yeah. Uh, you can go talk to him about it. This is when he shows up hmm. instead of just leaving it uh, ambiguous, a blind guy. Mm -hmm. That happens a lot in the four Gospels, an unnamed blind person right. or an unnamed recipient of a miracle. Uh, but here it's Bartimaeus, and you know. Oh, yeah. You know Bart. My good friend Bart. He's the, he's the son of Timaeus. He makes really good um, fish, roasted fish. Yes. Yep. Probably. That's not in the story. But <laughs> we, no, it's not. We can assume, maybe. So Bartimaeus is the only named recipient of a miracle in Mark. This is also the last healing miracle in Mark. So this is the, the end of a, a block of healings that Jesus is doing which helps to section off this from chapter 8, verse 22, until here we are in, in 10 up to 52. Like this section has some, some miracles happening, and then they stop, and everything focuses on Jesus' continued uh, move toward Jerusalem. In fact, in the next chapter, this is when Jesus is flipping over the tables, which we've come back to a couple times here in, in the podcast. So, But I want to hang out here for a moment because— Blind man beside the road, mm -hmm. whose name, and names in our context are meaningful, mm -hmm. even more so back then. What does that mean? I mean, sometimes we have, we like names because they sound cool. Sure. And... We're not looking at like, oh, what does this mean? Oh, so you're saying I'm saying we that, like names. We like finding don't meaning. Pick but don't, don't, then, don't, don't pick one. Even then, I was I, in my mind. I have this list of all these names. Like we like black bark bark bark, but like I don't want to start. Calling, my name means Reaper. Like Carolina Reaper, like the pepper, or like, um, like like the Grim Reaper. Like a harv well, hopefully not. Like a harvester. <laughs> Harvester of green. <laughs> so I doubt Norm and Moe were, no. you know, holding you. I mean, like, ah, oh, this is a, ah, just, I see her She's winnowing grain. A reaper. And, you know, I just, I yeah. don't, so, you know, like, they like Tessa. Maybe it's yeah. a family name. Maybe it, I'm, whatever. My mom's middle name is Teresa. There you go. It yeah. sounds nice. We don't care what names mean. In fact, just think of the names of the people that you know. You don't have any idea what they mean. No. In most cases. Mm -mm. So in the ancient world, names, it was different. To name, They were steeped in meaning. They yes. Were, yeah. Every part of it meant something. Yes. So to have a guy named Son of, of Honor, mm -hmm. that was meaningful. And now think about this. Like, so you've got parents... And I'm I'm gonna I'm really you know reading into the story here, but you've got parents that are swaddling sweet little Bartimaeus, mm -hmm. son of honor, valued, worthy. And then fast forward however many years, and he's on the side of the road. Yeah, like there's a story there. Mm -hmm. And also, I don't know if you've noticed this, but when Jesus says, "What do you want me to do for you?" He says, "I want to see again." 
Mm-hmm. So he wasn't born blind. Right. There's a story in this man's life from son of honor to side of the road, begging for alms, unable to see, mm-hmm. and unable to participate in the life of the community. Right. I Whenever I come up to a text like this, I'm always thinking, where the heck are this dude's parents? Well, do we know how old he is? No. We, I mean, we, we know relatively little. Right. So, but yeah. we could assume that he he probably spent a good number of formative years being able to see. Again, we I don't mean, know. If, I guess my head was going to, if he's being blind back then, could mean that you're on the outskirts of society, right? Yeah. So maybe he wanted to see again because that would mean that he could be back on the I guess I was just assuming that he spent some time on the inside of society. Oh, yeah. There's a lot tied in with what is regaining sight right. worth to him. Mm-hmm. We tend, I think, just to limit it to, oh, I bet it's really inconvenient to not be able to see. Right. So, Jesus, sprinkle your magic fairy dust mm-hmm. on this guy so he can just see again. Which is a very small way to think about it. Right. There's a lot more that's going on here, and I'm really interested with the movement of son of honor to side of the road. Mm -hmm. And it's not just side of the road. It's, shut up, man. Stop calling out. Right. Like, you're bothering us. That It's just so not emblematic of what this person as a character might be. Do you know who I am? I'm the son of honor. I'm a son of honor. (laughs) Dang it. (laughs) But not not here, not at all. Um, Again, I've stressed this a couple times, but in the story, Bartimaeus is beside the road. Our English translations do not help us here because this word for road or roadside, it's the same word as the very last one where... When Jesus says, go, your faith has made you well, he regains his sight and he follows him on the way. That Mm. word way, it's the same word as roadside here. What's the word? um, It's hadan. Well, hadas, actually. Okay. If you're looking for the nominative. (laughs) Of course I was. (laughs) Obviously. Um, So somehow the English translations have missed this this bookend to this story. He begins on the side of the road and he ends up walking on the road with Jesus. And it's more than that. It's not just a placement of where he, he is walking. It's the way. Mm-hmm. So for an, an author in 65 CE, after Jesus's death and resurrection, this was like, are you following the way? Well, this was one of the things that stuck out to me when we read it on Sunday was he could have just been healed and then decided to stay where he was and live his life and be happy with being healed and all yeah. of that. But he decided to to follow instead. Yeah. So, so maybe this is a good place to bring in this other story. In Mark chapter 8, we have another healing miracle that begins this mini section of, of the book of Mark. And it's similar in some ways. I'll go ahead and read it. It says, They came to Bethsaida, 
and some people brought a blind man to Jesus and begged him to touch him. The thought there would be, if Jesus can heal this guy, um, then that's awesome. Do it. And the best chance we have is to get this blind person in close proximity. Note, the blind guy here is not named. Mm -hmm. There's also going to be some really clear differences in the way that the story progresses. Jesus takes the blind man by the hand and leads him out of the village. Okay, so they're going into a remote place where no one else is around, again, in theory. Mm -hmm. And then he puts some saliva on his eyes, on the blind guy's eyes, and puts his hands on the blind guy's head or eyes or whatever. And then he says to him, can you see anything? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because he doesn't know. Which I love this. This is a human mm-hmm. bumbling Jesus. Yeah. Now, granted, he he does heal the guy, so he's not too bumbling. But it's like, can you see anything, man? Is this working? <laughs> Do I need to get some more spittle on the eyeball? And the guy re- responds, yeah, I mean. <laughs> Check your recipe, I, Jesus. Yeah, I, I can see people but they look like trees walking around, which immediately I go to Lord of the Rings and the big tree people. So the miracle is like, well, whiffed on that one. Like it's, it's a half a miracle. Yeah, it's not really working. Mm-mm. And I guess being moving from being fully blind to partly blind, okay. Is yeah. it better? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, stepping stones maybe, but Jesus is not content with this O for 1. Mm-hmm. So he lays his hands on the eyes again. Let's this give a, this the this old college try. This is a lesson try. in perseverance. Yeah. <laughs> From Jesus. Yes. Which is so I just love it so much. It's bizarre. He looks intently, it says the guy, and his sight was restored. It's like it's almost like he's trying to dial in his eyeballs like, oh, mm-hmm. I think uh, whoa, whoa, here it comes. Like you're doing a magic <laughs> eye book. It's like, oh, it's a boat. Yeah. I can see it. <laughs> he looks intently and it, everything starts to come into focus. Yeah. And then Jesus sends him away and says, don't go into the village. Don't implication. Don't tell anybody about this. Mm-hmm. Maybe also not really, but maybe also don't tell anybody about that first try. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's really not going to be good for the that reputation. Was a, that was a Jesus flub. That was something that we're just not going to address. But there's there's differences here. One blind person is named. One person is not named. One person is healed immediately through speaking. Jesus says, go. Your faith has saved you, has healed you. And he's like healed immediately. Mm-hmm. And the other person, you know, it's a 0 for 1 and then a 1 for 2. So if Jesus was, you know, a baseball player, he'd be doing well. If he's a miracle worker, I guess still doing well, but also just I mean, hit, hits the cred. Miracle is still a miracle. Right. But it's like a, that didn't work. Let's try it again. It's a fuzzy vision into a clear vision. Mm-hmm. And also the um, Bartimaeus jumps onto the way, follows the mm-hmm. way, becomes a follower, a disciple of Jesus, theoretically. The other person, don't go into the village. No implication no, of... Nope, you don't need to follow. You got what you got. Mm-hmm. We don't know anything about this guy's next stories. Mm-hmm. And so some people would say these two things are telling a larger narrative of what discipleship looks like in Mark. It's kind of fuzzy, takes a little bit of time to come into focus, 
versus an immediate understanding and then a following. Right. And in between these two stories, you got all the disciples screw ups mm-hmm. where they're just not understanding. Jesus keeps saying, I'm going to, I'm going to die. I'm going to rise again. And they keep saying dumb stuff like, mm-hmm. well, you can't do that for one. And for two neat, but can I sit at your right hand in a seat of honor? Like they keep just not understanding what he's saying. So what some scholars are, are saying is there's this larger motif of the progress of what it looks like to follow Jesus moving from, I kind of see, but it looks like there's trees walking Mm -hmm. to an immediate receipt of sight and clarity and following Jesus on the way. Well, and it's almost like a, this might be exactly what you're saying, but a fuzzy vision of where this journey with Jesus is going to, we are right before Jesus is going to be killed. Yeah. And They're, just seeing the vision more clearly. And can you see how the point is not, oh, man, Jesus did some cool stuff. Yeah. And maybe he can do some cool stuff for you, too. Yeah. That's just not what this story is trying to say. There's like a point on top of a point here in this little narrative arc from chapter 8, verse 22 through 10, ending in verse 52, where it's like, the author is trying to say, this is what discipleship looks like. It's a perpetual screw up. It's a perpetual lack of vision until finally clarity happens. Mm -hmm. And when clarity happens, then you just fall in line and you follow Jesus on the way to his death and his resurrection, right? In the midst of all of the disciples, perpetual failures, it's sort of brilliant in that way. Um, And there's also some other themes that are going on here in the story. For example, Bartimaeus is blind, but Bartimaeus can see. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like he, he sees, knows what's up. He knows exactly what's up. We're very far from Nazareth geographically. And yet when Bartimaeus hears that it's Jesus who's creating the commotion, he goes nuts. Jesus! Jesus of Nazareth! Have mercy on me, son of David! Like he starts to put in these really... This is my chance. Yes. And also theologically astute observations of Mm -hmm. who Jesus is. Remember, the disciples have sort of not understood this throughout, yet blind Bartimaeus, miles and miles and miles away from Nazareth, can see Jesus and identify him as the son of David, which has all sorts of associations with royalty, and uh, Jesus being the Messiah, like he knows something about this person that nobody else seems to get. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It, and I think it, it tells us a lot about the ways in which we write people off. You know, so if, if you're just a, a third party objective viewer of this you might think oh well if i want to learn something about jesus i should go talk to the people that are closest to him as he's walking out of the city because i bet they know Mm -hmm. but if you were to pull james and john and peter aside they'd go on some tirade about how like i need to be sitting (laughs) in the seat of honor or i'm the most important 
or certainly he won't die, you know, like, yet, blind Bartimaeus begging on the side of the road sees more than they do, but most of us wouldn't say, I'm going to throw my chips in with this guy. Yeah. It's a real disservice to the story when we just take the miracle as him receiving, like, physical sight back. Yes. Yeah, this was some of the, some of the, um, the stuff that I heard after Sunday about, you know, what, what this story means. Sometimes I'll get some text messages throughout the week like, hey, let's unpack this a bit further. And some people really wanted to unpack what would this healing have looked like or meant in its first century context? Because as, as, as we go a little bit further, I think that we put some assumptions on what this person wants Mm -hmm. and what that would mean for him. But clearly like he's, he's understanding a lot of things that are happening without being able to see physically so you're absolutely right reducing it to party trick jesus Mm -hmm. makes the blind guy be able to see so if you have insert ailment Mm -hmm. jesus can fix that too and that we we peddle this sort of garbage yeah in church life a lot i'm thinking Mm -hmm. specifically about mental health Mm -hmm. you know like oh you you have anxiety pray hard enough would you just just pray yeah because that works can fix that (laughs) Yeah, and so we we limit, first of all, we limit what people experience when we do that. Mm-hmm. We limit, um, I think, the, the potential benefits from including and hearing from people with certain disabilities or um, mental health issues. Like, in this story... Bartimaeus has a lot to offer right off the bat. Right. But yet we don't often afford opportunities for a large group of people within church life to speak. Um, And usually, this might be wrong of me, but it seems like if we do, it's it's the, the healing stuff. It's the I was this and now I'm not. Right. Sort of thing like, oh, I used to have medication for anxiety, but I don't anymore. Right. Which I don't want to discredit that, and I don't want to say that that's impossible. But for some of us, medication is a good thing. Yep. And that's part of the miracle. Yep. Right? Like, God good made grief. people yep. who Smart are people. good at science and can figure out how to help different health conditions yeah also i think we need to come back to this story and see there's a contrast between bartimaeus and a a, maybe a chapter and a half previous uh, maybe even less than that i forget the the rich young ruler Mm -hmm. right so he shows up what do i need to do to quote inherit eternal life and Jesus says, you know, after saying, well, you know what to do. Yeah. He goes, well, I've done all the commandments. Like, I'm pretty good on that. And Jesus says, well, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Yep. And he turns away sad because he had a lot of stuff. Right. So the contrast between 
blind Bartimaeus being healed, jumping on the road, and following Jesus versus rich guy Mm -hmm. who says, nah, I like my stuff. Yeah. And turns away and goes not on the way, right. not on the road. Bartimaeus kind of had nothing to lose. Is that fair to say? I think that's fair to say, but also again, except it's, he was still leaving a life. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, we in our society would look to the rich guy uh-huh. for all of our advice, our you know input, like that sort of stuff. We might not look to blind Bartimaeus because we've already written them out of the story much like a lot of these people in the story have Mm -hmm. he's saying son of David have mercy on me like he gets it there's something that he's seen that nobody else has seen and everybody in the crowd we don't know who we don't know if this was the disciples we don't know if this was the people following it just says that many sternly ordered him to be quiet shut up dude We've got stuff to do. Stop bothering Jesus. Why? Yeah. Why do you think that they were so adamant about getting this guy to be quiet? I don't know. I think. I don't know. It's easy to dismiss the people that are on the side of the road. Yeah. Metaphorically speaking. Yeah. Or well, li- and or, in or, yeah, or real life. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's such a bold move because, and maybe this is a personality thing, but if I'm in a situation where somebody's creating a bit of a ruckus yeah i'm not gonna be the shut up dude no like i'm just no. gonna like, uh, slump down in my chair and be like oh how's this gonna turn <laughs> Hope out this resolves itself but these people were not having it they sternly ordered the guy to be quiet and this this is important because it fuels bartimaeus's fire to cry out even more loudly it says mm-hmm. son of david have mercy on me like let's let's talk about bartimaeus here We've learned some things about his character. What what sort of attributes could we ascribe to Bartimaeus? Um, faithful. Yep. Bold. Yep. Um, wise. Well, that, that is bold, too, because we don't know. Did he get confirmation? Did he say, is that, is that Jesus? Or is he just like, Jesus! Hey, hey! Son he knew, of David! Yeah, he knew in his spirit. I know it's you! I'm, yeah. So yeah, boldness, uh, there's this resolve and resilience, like Mm -hmm. he cannot be stopped. Mm -hmm. This is like the woman a few chapters earlier that's advocating for her child's Mm -hmm. healing and Jesus sort of dismisses her and she's like, no, you're not going to do that because I know what you can do. Yeah. And she's like, "Uh, I'm not leaving until I get what I want. Mm -hmm. You could say Bartimaeus is not throwing away his shot. Right. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> the Hamilton of the Gospel of Mark here, not throwing away his shot. That's right. Um, but that's exactly what what he's doing. He's he's tracking and he's saying, this is my chance. Mm-hmm. For what? Let's leave that as a blank. Mm-hmm. And don't fill in, oh, he can see again. Right. Yeah, but also there's more, there's more to it. One scholar, Joel Marcus, says the blind man's persistence is exemplary. When people tell God's elect that their cause is hopeless, they turn to him all the more resolutely and thus demonstrate their faith. Which I don't know if that's true necessarily, but it's true for Bartimaeus um, that he's not taking no for an answer. Jesus, and this is where the story really gets brilliant. Jesus hears this. He stops 
stands still, like midstream, and he might still have that sort of Jesus in New Balance Mm-hmm. sneaker pumps yep. heading towards Jerusalem like all right we took a couple days in Jericho now we gotta get going yep. fanny packs loaded up he's ready to go he's ready but he stops and he stands still and then I love this so much he says to the same people that had just been telling Bartimaeus to shut up he tells them go get Bartimaeus mm-hmm why, why is this so brilliant? Because he's using it as a teaching moment for these people who are not, they're following Jesus, but they're not acting as he would in the situation. Clearly not. Yeah. <laughs> There's rare instances where Jesus says, shut up, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I got stuff to do. Right. And when he does say that, it's not to blind Bartimaeus. It's not to people beside the road. Like, that's his crew. Mm -hmm. That's his focus. That's his mission. If he's ever saying that, he's saying it to people like me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like you, like the people in the vestments. Yeah. You know? Shut up, man, with your ordinary time and your (laughs) festivals. Get out of my face. Mm -hmm. We got real stuff to do. Right. So he tells them to sort of eat crow mm-hmm. and go and invite him over like you were just yelling at this guy i want you to go invite him over it's yeah. like the kid being mean yep to the kid at school and then you having to personally invite him to your birthday party or something i forget if it was a movie or a podcast or something but this person was telling a story where they were mean to to somebody and then their parents said you will go hug him right now uh-huh and his like 12 year old boy like has to go hug this kid and say, I'm sorry, and then give him a hug. (laughs) That's sort of like, Jesus, go hug Bartimaeus and tell him to come over here right now is what Mm -hmm. he seems to be saying. Uh, My friend Bethany McKinney Fox, another Fuller alumni, she is a a, a disabilities, oh, what would you, like a theologian of disability studies. Mm Mm-hmm. And she's written a fabulous book called, I believe it's called Disability in the Way of Jesus, which is a really helpful introduction for people like us trying to figure out what it looks like to read these miracle stories and apply them now in 21st century America. And I assume not to assume that people want to be like us, like the people who are differently abled. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, obviously, he wants to walk. Obviously, he wants to see. Right. So there's there's this, there's this. I wouldn't even call it low grade. There's this, we're completely unaware of how ableist mm-hmm. we are. In fact, I, she, she was writing on Facebook not too long ago, maybe a year or so ago, about, like, she said, when you go into a public restroom, just observe where the soap dispensers are placed. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about accessibility. Yeah. And ever since then, it's like, oh my gosh, like some of them are so high on the walls or they're tucked in the corner. Like if you're in a wheelchair, it's impossible or for like you to... behind the sink where you yeah, wouldn't in, be able in, to reach. In crazy places um, that would, you know, functionally eliminate a lot of people's access to what I would say is a soap in a bathroom 
I mean, especially now in it should be COVID times. Yeah, every free access to soap right. in, in public restrooms. Um, but just having that sort of, oh man, there's there's ways in which the community around these people keep blowing it. And also, yeah, like there's her book is great because it has a lot of these testimonies um, from differently abled people, and they say things like, you know, if if it was just as easy to sort of like snap a finger and have, um, you know, whatever disability that they're dealing with uh, be removed, mm -hmm. many of them would say, I don't think I would want that because this is, this is who I am. Right. There's one person writing in particular about um, having CP. And when that was framed, it was like, this is just, I don't know who I would be. This mm -hmm. person was a, um, a priest of some sort. I forget if he was Catholic or Episcopalian. But basically saying, I don't know if I would be in this same place without this circumstance in my life. Right. We don't think like that no, for other people. Not at all. We think, oh, well, of course you would want blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, what, first of all, what do we know? And second of all, like if the testimony is there's a lot more to the story than that, that's something that we should hear and, and pay attention to. So, so quick to speak for other people. Oh, and so in so many different different cases, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, so she was writing on Facebook uh, the other day as this passage was coming up in the lectionary cycle, and she said, among other brilliant things, she said Jesus could have walked over to Bartimaeus himself, and in some ways that would seem like a helpful thing that he could have done. Like Jesus could have just said, "Hey, man, I hear you," right? He he could have said, "What what's up? What do you need?" But instead, she writes, he stops and tells the crowd to go and get him. And in asking them to participate in the interaction, the crowd is transformed and healed too. Which that might be, that might be a bit of a reading in because all we have are the words on the page. What happens to the hearts of these people? Hopefully transformation. It's a two for one miracle. Yeah, and, and even like as I was preparing this, like what's what's the bigger miracle? Mm -hmm. Blind guy receiving sight or hard hearts becoming soft? Right. And I think it was you that was like, I don't know. I feel like they're sort of on the same level. Isn't that insane? Mm -hmm. Because in any scenario, if we know someone who's blind receiving sight, like in a... You could almost say, and I, I hope this isn't like a diminishing of people's circumstances, but blind people receive sight a lot, right? Like LASIK, oh, yeah, eye sure. surgeries. Like I'm, I've been wearing glasses my entire life mm -hmm. without them. Right. It would be trees walking around. Mm -hmm. So in some ways, like we, we see that, but I'm talking about like instantaneous legally blind to 2020 vision we would say oh that's that's insane that's a miracle it can't be explained yeah but we don't often say that of the jerk face over here who stops being a jerk face right i think that's a it's, it's an important um reminder for us to to see more miraculous things in the world around us and mm -hmm. and to not even see them as all these like just 
interventions like this god's here and then god leaves like there's a perpetual presence always Mm -hmm. you know god is always in and around his people and for us to to celebrate that is is worth is worth something he's in changes of all kinds transformations of all kinds yeah even ours yeah which i think we discount those a lot as well Mm -hmm. i'm hard on myself I know that you're hard on yourself. Mm-hmm. We can't even admit that change is taking place, let alone give credit to God for doing it right. because we don't see well, it. Well, if we don't see it, we can't credit anybody for it. Right, which might speak to a little a level of blindness mm-hmm. in our lives. Yep. There's a lot of metaphorical ways in which we could take this story, but I don't want to I don't want to go there. So, anyway, the the crowd they go from saying "Shut up, man" to "Take heart." And again, we talk about tone a lot. I don't know how to read this. It's, it seems very just, I don't know. It reads as really sincere and to me. Yeah. And this might, again, this might be author of Mark 30 years down the road, knowing what happens in the lives of these people and importing the transformation that they've seen take place mm-hmm. in a matter of moments. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, just the the words on the page, take heart, get up, he's calling you. I love that last phrase for some reason, like he's calling you. Mm -hmm. Jesus wants to see you. Mm -hmm. Man, that's just, it's so powerful. Can you ever, Tessa, can you ever envision an instance like in your life where that would be said to you like tessa G- jesus he's calling you i have no idea <laughs> right i'm like that's uh... what i'm saying it's like uh, at the end of this teaching on sunday we kind of did this uh contemplative role playing like what what would it be like to be a part of the crowd what would it be like to be a to be bartimaeus on the side of the road what would it be like to be jesus in, in this story um nt wright says that this it lends itself beautifully to you know, importing yourself into these various roles. But can you just imagine what you would do if you ever heard those words like, Jesus is calling you? Like what? I'd be scared. Yeah. Like, oh, what did I do now? But that's that's part of my... Well, you might not be scared if you were him because... I wouldn't be scared if I was part of man. I'm talking about like just me. Somebody oh, yeah, pops sure. their head in the door and says, hey man, Jesus is calling you. I'd be like, oh He's on no. Jesus on line one. Yeah. <laughs> I would just anticipate an, an earful, but how beautiful is that, that this person understands who Jesus is, wants to speak with him, and then the crowd that just told him to shut up is now saying, he's calling you. Like, oh my gosh, you're, it'd be you're so on. overwhelming. You're on. It's your it's your yeah. moment. Um, Bethany also writes that real healing for a person with disabilities is almost always contingent on our communities and structures undergoing healing transformation as well. And I think that's so important because again, for Bartimaeus just to receive sight, that's half of it, Mm -hmm. right? It's almost the easy part. I know, but like, I don't want to diminish the, I don't the craziness either, of this story. But I just think of the the transformation in the community. It doesn't usually happen like it does in this story. No. It's a long 
road. And even think about, okay, so I don't know if this is appropriate, but the likelihood that these crazy miracles would happen in our context, there it's low. Yes. Right? Yes. Like person with, um, you know, even just the example from the book, person with CP mm-hmm. who well-meaning Christian comes over and says, I want to pray for you. Right. Which, come on. Okay. Um, there's a lot. To there's unpack. a lot there. We could unpack yeah. there. Yeah. The likelihood of that interaction resulting in a change in the life of the person with CP at right. a medical level is low. Yes. But can the community not already right now demonstrate a transformation in their lives to make healing more of a reality by accessibility right by inclusion by not writing people off but we don't do that well and it's it's harder than offering up a prayer for somebody in some ways yeah and an instantaneous miracle mm-hmm. demands zero from us but a communal transformation Advocating. to caring about uh-huh. yeah advocacy and accessibility and inclusion that is a sacrifice mm-hmm. that has to take place in the lives of many it's ongoing yeah yeah i've i'm i'm self editing right now i've got so many examples of things that we don't do mm-hmm. that would be so easy to mm-hmm. do i'll say one yeah okay. um we get so fired up about um non-gender specific bathrooms uh-huh you we mean- must have a man's single stall restroom and a woman's right. single like what are we like, talking about why why do we do this anybody who has to use a bathroom should be able to use this private right one one person person bathroom yeah but yet it becomes this whole thing where it's like i will never do that which just shows the level to which we will not transform to make other people's lives easier Mm -hmm. even when that specific instance would not impact us at all zero because in most restaurants well some restaurants if a bathroom is any gender Mm -hmm. can use this bathroom right i don't care one iota no as it's, long as the lock functions. Yes. If, if the lock doesn't function and it's just like you open the door, like at Rise Up, I'm always so scared. Oh my gosh, it gives me so much anxiety. And the door is so far away. And it's so flimsy. Like you can't, like yes, when you Yes, I checked it, it twice yesterday. I was like, I don't I know, know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. locked. But yeah, that's my big thing. Not whose butt cheeks were on the seat no. before mine. Although I don't like thinking about that, but I don't if care if warm, it was a man or woman. If it's warm. <laughs> <laughs> No, thank anyway, you. okay, this this is where we get in trouble, Tessa. We're we're off the beaten path here onto just the the the, the yes. fact that we are collectively pretty terrible mm-hmm. at making other people's lives an imp- 
important thing in our decision-making process. Mm -hmm. So yeah, back to your original point, snapping your fingers and letting God do a cool trick is so much easier Mm -hmm. than, hey, you go get him. Yeah. You know, they had to eat a lot in that moment. Like, oh, like, oh, I just, I I did the wrong thing. I bet he heard me. (laughs) Yep. I was pretty specific. Yeah. (laughs) In the words I was using. Uh Uh-huh. Son of honor. No, no. I had other things to say about this particular gentleman. So yeah, uh, Bethany's spot on that for real healing to take place, like transformation has to occur on many, many different levels. So in this story, there's a lot that's going on here and it goes well beyond an individual miracle taking place. Still, Bartimaeus hears the invitation. He throws off his cloak. Scholars have all sorts of different things as to what this may or may not mean. Most people seem to land on when you're on the side of the road and you're you're begging for alms, you will have a cloak that's spread out before you, sort of like a, a busker on the street that has a hat mm-hmm. or a guitar case where you can throw your tips or whatever. This is how that would, would function. Now, why that person would take it and throw it yeah is weird um it it might symbolize like oh jesus is calling me which means he will help me which means i don't need any of this garbage the first thing that i thought of was he's throwing off the stuff of his old life and yeah going to to be with jesus and yes and and so some people take that and they they tie it also with with baptism so, like, in the early church, baptism was something that happened uh, naked, and then you would be cloaked in this white robe afterward, mm-hmm. I believe. So, a, a change from being unclothed to clothed in white. Um, and here, maybe him throwing off his cloak is emblematic of, I'm about to be baptized. I'm about to become a new person in Christ. Now that might be a, a big reading in, but some people like to link this with the story at the end of Mark in chapter 14 when Jesus is being arrested and there's this random young guy in the garden um, and it says that he was wearing nothing but a linen cloth. Why he's there in just a linen cloth, <laughs> I don't know, but the people, they they grab him and it says that he leaves his linen linen cloth behind. I just have this image of like Jack Black. I forget what movie it is, but he's like somebody grabs his coat and he does this weird spin move and he like comes out of the coat. Um, but I that's how I'm I sure see that's this exactly guy. how it happened. Yeah. <laughs> oh, just picture young Jack Black in the garden in a linen cloth uh-huh. hanging out with Jesus. Somebody grabs the arm. He does this weird spin move and uh-huh. then he runs away naked. Because if you're gonna do that you might as well do it with some finesse might as well yeah gosh i forget what movie that was but it's so funny it might be saving silverman mm-hmm. um anyway that that person they say who leaves naked might show up again at the tomb when in mark's version of the story the women are not greeted by an angel but they're greeted by a young man dressed in white mm-hmm. so naked clothed in white, some images of baptism. So some people import that back into this story as well. Bartimaeus throws off his cloak. I don't think that means that he's like stripping down. 
mm-hmm. but there's the metaphors. Right. Are these people assuming that all he was wearing was a cloak? No, most people would say that he, this was like an outer coat. Okay. Like a trench coat. Yeah. Yeah. So he strips off yeah. his trench coat. Mm-hmm. Some, some people were saying like, maybe, maybe this guy's coat was prohibiting him from getting to Jesus quickly. So mm-hmm. he takes it off. Maybe he was selling watches out of his coat. Yeah, ma- and it was just too heavy. It's just such a weird. It's too much to take with him. Like, what are we doing when when we <laughs> when we start saying like maybe the coat, like to weave through the crowd like that, he would have had to he ditch it. He would have gotten all caught up. Yeah, it wouldn't have worked. Oh my coat! On ah. top of that, he can't see yet. Yeah, no, so. it's just a lot. So nobody knows. Then there was another person that said the throwing off of the garment serves no purpose in the story, which I reject. I reject that out of hand. Why would he put it in there? Exactly. Uh, My seminary professor used to say there are no free motifs in the Bible, Mm -hmm. meaning or it's it's almost like um, Chekhov's gun. You know, the guy who's writing about literary theory. And if if a gun shows up in act two of Mm -hmm. a play, it will or better, it must be of importance Mm -hmm. later on. Right. Just to have some random firearm would be silly. So it's like, especially if you're an author and a storyteller. Yeah, you don't you have you think about all the details that you put in the story. But then you go, well, some bad storytellers are just mounting. Are we details. to assume that Mark is a bad storyteller? No, <laughs> which it, which leads me to say it can't serve. There's no a reason purpose. it's there. Yeah. What's the reason? We don't know. I don't know. But we yeah. can talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And we can come up with ridiculous things like, well, he was had a trench coat with watches, and it was going to prohibit him, so he had to get rid of that. Or he was Jack Black, and he did this weird shimmy move. Mm-hmm. Um, either way. So he gets before Jesus, and Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Same question he asked James and John in the in the previous passage, which, again— our first reaction to this question, Tessa, is... Of course, he wants to see. Duh. What? Duh, What Jesus. else, Jesus? Dumb question. But again, but I think that's more... Jesus doesn't jump to that. No, he doesn't assume because Jesus knows when you assume it makes an ass out of you and, and me. Right. And nobody's making an ass out of Jesus. No, no, no. No, Mm-mm. that's not how he rolls. No, So he's he's asking the real question, what do you want? Uh, again, my friend Bethany would say flashback to the to the cloak there the guy might have his needs met Mm -hmm. you know yeah so it's not necessarily it's not baked in that this answer is as clear as abled people think it is this this is an ableist move um so i think we need to take a note from jesus and to let the people let them speak for themselves. Yeah, let the people speak for themselves, which is exactly what he does. So don't read in, what do you want me to do for you? <laughs> it's a Wink, it, wink. It's a legitimate question. And yeah. I, I even think, this, this is my own reading in, but if Bartimaeus were to say something that might surprise us, mm-hmm. I don't think it would have surprised Jesus. No. Because Jesus knows that that doesn't matter mm-hmm. for what he's calling people to. The stuff that we think matters is usually a matter of convenience. And here I, I, I don't want to diminish, you know, the hardships that people go through. Um, but I think this is a this is a legitimate question that Jesus is asking. 
and he wants to hear that. And again, I think that should be a lesson to us in how we interact with all people. Mm -hmm. And I'm awful at this. I have created stories about people and what they think of me that I will import and it it impacts the interactions. Because like Mm -hmm. I think that I know what you're thinking. Right. And I know how I've let you down or how that sermon that I preached was awful and you think it was awful and you're going to leave and I'm terrible. So you come to the table with a lot. I have a lot. (laughs) I have a lot of things a lot of times. But here's this is this is so beautiful. Let the people speak for themselves. So the blind guy says to him, um, my teacher, let me see again. And even here, it might seem like all the stuff that we've just laid out is undone by this guy's request. I don't think so. I don't think so either. Because what's tied up with the seeing? Right. So much. Mm -hmm. I I do also, I had a point here that we shouldn't make this person's request a universal truth for all people. As if all uh, disabled people want to move beyond that. Mm -hmm. I don't think if Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? That the answer across the board would be the same as this guy's answer. Mm -hmm. Bartimaeus has different things happening. Yeah. Well, and by assuming that people, that we know what people want, we're also belittling any sort of culture or community that they have built in their own, in their own group of people. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Part of, what seems to be underlying Bartimaeus here could have to do with a first century Jewish context where his, um, his circumstances in life have led him to being a son of honor now on the side of the road, now begging for alms and support, now being told to shut up, which I don't think right. was probably a one-off situation for we him. Can, we can assume that he doesn't have a community of other people who are outcasts. Is that rephrase that? I think what you're saying is we can assume that he doesn't have a community of people who are not similar to him. The double negatives is messing what? me up so much here. <laughs> we can assume that he doesn't have a community of people who are also on the. We can outside. assume that. So if I'm hearing you right. His community would probably be the people on the side of the road. Well, that's what him. I'm asking. Do 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 they did they do that? I don't. Do, did they have a a block party outside the, of Jer- well, outside of like, Jericho? I'm just thinking. Did they would he have had his people? I don't know. Or is he on his own? I think that the most likely opportunity for him to having the people would be other people well, on yes. the side. I of just the road. didn't know if that was. But I don't know, I, and honestly, I don't know enough about. Um, this would be where disability studies would be really helpful mm-hmm. in locking in what did it look like for a first-century Jewish person to be blind. Right. What does that mean? I would assume that it means some ostracizing from the community, some some yeah. removal of the community because a lot of that, you know, the cleanliness stuff and mm-hmm. um, any sort of ailments like that puts you in a certain place but i don't know that with certainty that's Mm -hmm. just my guess so i would say that if he does have community it would be other people in a similar situation to him right but i hope that doesn't cloud things um jesus hears the request and in contrast to chapter eight with the saliva and the 
hands rubbing on the eyes. He simply says, go. Mm -hmm. Your faith has made you well. That term there for made you well, it also is the same term for it has saved you. That word, it carries a lot of weight in its semantic domain, Mm. right? It does a lot of things. It can mean healing. It can mean salvation. It can mean all sorts of stuff. And here, I think in the first century, it's not going to be reduced to one or the other. So that translation has made you well. Uh, We think it's, it's healed you. It's changed your blindness to clear vision. What's the word there? Uh, it, it's com- it comes from sozo. Say more about that. Uh, what do you want me to say about it? What's sozo? Sozo is a verb that means um, I save or I oh, okay. heal or I, you know, whatever. Um, it's in a different form here, but that shouldn't detract us. I'm just saying that word itself can take on a lot of different meaning. So again, when you're reading the English Bible nerds in a room have decided how the word in this context means Mm -hmm. it is not the case that just because a word has a large semantic domain that it means all of it at once right that's garbage that's why the amplified version of the bible is terribly misleading because it'll have like a word and then in parentheses it'll have a bunch of different other translation options amplified meaning it has notations within the text of what the word yes it gi- it pretty much gives you the entire range of meaning that a word could have but what people take away from that is oh it means all of this uh, all the time uh-huh. no which is that's silly it's silly because we don't talk like that right in context it means one thing or it might have like a double entendre but it, it it's it's attempting to localize what uh what this particular author is trying to say so them translating your faith has made you well is a decision that is localizing jesus saying you've been healed of your blindness here i think the word is it's doing more than just that uh, it's more holistic because in the first century it wasn't just about a healing right it was about everything well, I think when you think about the word well and wellness in general, that encompasses a whole variety of, yes. like wellness means a lot of different things. But also, like think about it like this. In order to uh, experience wellness, you can't just eat well. Right. You have to also... Maslow's hierarchy, folks. Exercise, and you have to limit your screen times, yeah. and all, any number of things. So here it's not just... I don't think Jesus is just saying... Your blindness is now gone. Right. I think he's saying transformation is breaking into your life. Mm-hmm. Whatever the again meant, help me see again, whatever that meant and whatever that entailed is coming back. Yeah. And then immediately it says he regains his sight again. So it goes from the, the strike ones hit on the second pitch, mm-hmm. Jesus, and the touching <laughs> of the eyes, Jesus, to the speaking, Jesus, to the immediate clarity of, of sight. Immediately he regains his sight and he follows him on the way, beginning beside the road, beside mm-hmm. the way, and on the way. Mm-hmm. And Mark has him outside of the city, falls in line with this crew of people heading off to Jerusalem. So it's 
this story isn't just about a miracle set in its context. It's about discipleship and what that looks like um, within the gospel from kind of stumbling around, not seeing too well, to finding clarity, and then falling in step with, with Jesus towards his death and his resurrection. On the other side of things, you have this group of people who go from berating this guy mm-hmm. to having to invite him to see Jesus to now he's part of your yeah squad yeah or whatever yeah there, and there's a lot there that needs to take place again for the real healing to to be a thing there has to be I think some inclusion and acceptance of the community in order for this guy's life to actually change to its fullness Mm -hmm. seeing is great but becoming a real part of this ragtag group of people heading off to the capital is it's necessary that they you know welcome him in for him to experience all of the wellness all of the fullness all of the healing and salvation and, and whatever this is this is a reading in but do you think any part of him was like Bump the community that put, made me be on the outside. I'm going to join this group of people. Well, that's that's the thing about the Jesus movement, right? Jesus fundamentally says, bump the community that's putting people on the outs. Mm-hmm. I'm not on board. Right. These are my people, right? And that's that's a beautiful thing to think about where... Part of the mission of Jesus is to include those who have been ostracized and also to hold the people who have ostracized them to hold their feet to the fire to say, mm-hmm. if you don't get this, you can't, you can't go where I'm going. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot here in this story and a lot of it transcends just a healing. Now, I've also said that this is a picture of a movement from you know, not really seeing to seeing with clarity. It's this picture of discipleship. This doesn't get walked out by Jesus's real disciples in the book, right? Mm-hmm. They keep stumbling. Yeah. They keep misunderstanding. They keep leaving in fear. They keep like, in fact, at the end of the book, the women at the tomb, they figure out that Jesus is alive, and then it says that they just leave in fear and trembling, mm-hmm. I think is the, the words. Well, I think if they did, which they wouldn't because they're humans, but if they did everything right in the story, where would that leave us? Yeah. Like, we know that there's grace, well, just because we know, but also because... These people who were following Jesus and were with him every step of the way messed up all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why there's, these are the, oh, I don't want to say best case scenarios, but this is where the trajectory of the story is, is going. So maybe we could think about it in, with regard to our own lives. Are we still in the, I see people, they look like trees mm-hmm. or are we blind man who has received sight walking with purpose and clarity on the way Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of stuff in between there 
uh, where we might where we me, where we might find ourselves. Mm-hmm. That was hard for me to say. It's okay. Yeah. Well, amen and blessings. We did it, and we didn't do it as quick as we said we were going to do it. But you know what? We're not here to set limits. No. We're here to explore. We're not here to limit Jesus. <laughs> no, never would. No. No. Nope. Can't. Because he will. You cannot make an ass out of him. No. As we've learned. Mm-mm. You can make an ass out of yourself. You can. And we've learned that, and too. And I have. Yes. Yep. Okay, well, next week we should have some fun stuff as well. I will move away from the lectionary, and we oh will boy. talk about zombies <gasps> in the Bible. Exciting. Yes. Halloween-themed. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay, great. Okay, goodbye. Bye. Bye.